Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today is Friday, October 26th, and uh, I have a great show today. It's going to be a little bit short, to the point. Um, I uh, In three hours, I'm peacing out. i got to drive home five and a half hours to get back to my hometown. Um, I'm driving home to visit my family for the weekend. My dad just got engaged. I'm going to try to go to my old high school's football game. Should be a fun weekend. Um, I do want to say we have game three of the World Series tonight. I don't have a lot to say about it, but I will say this. This is a must-win game for the LA Dodgers. It's obvious. They're down 2 to nothing in the series. They're down 0-2. Uh, excuse me. The Red Sox lead the series 2 to nothing, And the Dodgers got to win. And I, I am not very optimistic. I'll be honest. I, I hope the Dodgers win. but I Because uh, here's the thing. I root for Game 7. I just want drama. And I don't know we're going to get that. If the Dodgers lose tonight... Um, down three to nothing in the series, it'd be pretty disappointing. And I think the Red Sox is likely to be win, winning the series in four or five games. I think they're likely to do that anyways. They look like they're playing with fewer mistakes as it is. So um, I'm concerned for the Dodgers tonight. Again, I don't care who wins the series. I just want the series to go to seven games. I'm going to do something weird today. <laughs> I talked about baseball, and then I'm going to talk about basketball. And it's not going to be until later we talk about football. Um, it surprises me as well. Don't worry, I'm not... Uh, I don't normally do that, but a very compelling trade proposal appeared by the Houston Rockets the other day. Uh, sources say that the Rockets have offered four first-round picks to the Minnesota Timberwolves to gather and acquire Jimmy Butler. And I, I, I love this so much. I love this trade proposal. I say go for it. It's kind of my, one of my philosophies in life. You cannot be afraid of taking risks, and sometimes you just got to go for it. It may not be a perfect opportunity, who cares? You got to take risk. You got to go for it. I'll never forget my first job in LA. I was 19 years old. I lived in Vancouver, Washington. I was working at a car wash. And on a Wednesday, a director called me and said, hey, if you can be here by Friday, you got the job. I quit my job on the spot at the car wash. I packed up my car. I drove to LA. I was on set Friday night working. I just said, I'm going to go for it. It's not a perfect opportunity, but it's the best thing I got going for me. Now I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to go for it. The Rockets are so close. The Houston Rockets are so, so close to winning a championship. They're not really, they're close to beating the Warriors. I remember game five last year. They had the Warriors where they wanted them. And then in the end, Chris Paul got hurt. They couldn't win the series. The Rockets won a championship. I say go for it. And I say trade for Jimmy Butler because you got to make it happen. They're kind of in a win now scenario. Those four draft picks they could potentially give up for the Rockets don't matter. Of course the Rockets got pushed back. A lot of people were like, how dare they? They could never do that. You can't give up four first-round picks for Jimmy Butler. He's not worth it. Well, he's worth it if you beat the Warriors. Even if you have a chance to beat the Warriors, I say go for it. I, I do. I believe in that. You may not beat the Warriors, but wouldn't you rather live your life saying, we did everything we could. We went for it. We did everything we possibly could. It's Friday afternoon. It's Friday morning. I'm, I, you think I want to? I want to do a podcast because I want to build my show. I love doing this. But it's not convenient for me to do a podcast today. I could take the day off and just say I'm going home. But I want to do a show. It may not be a perfect opportunity, but I, I have a goal. I want to build what I'm doing. I want to, and I, I think the Rockets should go for it. I really do. The Rockets should take a chance and go after Jimmy Butler. 
Again, they need to win now. If you're hungry right now, the minute you walk in your door, you're hungry, you just want food. You know what you don't do? <laughs> you don't go put a lasagna in the micro in the oven for two hours and wait two hours before you eat. If you're hungry, you eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich right now because you're hungry and you have a need that needs to be filled. The Rockets need to win now. Those four draft picks are something for the future. And honestly, the future doesn't help them right now. So I say, if it takes four draft picks, do whatever it takes. The Rockets should go after and acquire Jimmy Butler. He would help them. Maybe not win the, beat the Warriors, but it gives them more of a chance. And anything you can do to challenge the Warriors, because they're so close. Oh, I remember that series last year where the, the Rockets had the Warriors and they couldn't close it out because of Chris Paul's injury. I don't know. I think Jimmy Butler helps the Rockets compete with the Warriors now and they might even actually beat them and go to the finals. If they can pull that off, I say go for it. Okay, we have a lot of good stuff ahead. Again, it's short, to the point, very sweet. Um, we're going to talk about the Dolphins and the Texans coming up. I'm going to do pick six. It's where I pick six games in the NFL season or NFL week. Uh, we're going to talk about LeBron. We're going to do two fascinating Snake Charmer games. We're going to end with college football. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube as well as my best, most interesting clips. And please help me. Tell your friends about this show. I would really appreciate it. Help me grow by telling your friends about this show. So this weekend in the NFL, we have two really, really fascinating games. I call them Snake Charmer games. Games that when I watch, I mesmerized. I cannot take my eyes off of the television. First game. So there's two games this week that have kind of fit the bill. The first one is this. The Jaguars and the Eagles in London. And I want you to know, this is a very early morning game. If you're on the East Coast, the game's going to start at 9.30 in the morning. If you're on the West Coast like me, I'm going to be watching at 6.30 in the morning. Uh, but regardless, I'll be there. I'll be watching because I'm incredibly intrigued by this game. Both the Jaguars and the Eagles are three and four, and uh, they got to win. They must win in order to keep their playoff hopes alive. You know, are you going to go four and four or three and five? I don't think the Jaguars or the Eagles, who are both trying to stay in the playoff picture, neither team can afford to go to start their season three and five. You go three and five, you're out. You're probably done. I mean, you could fight back, but it's not encouraging. It's not a good look. My question for this game is, how good is the Jaguars' defense? I've been hearing forever, Saxonville, they're so good. How hungry are they? Can they carry their team? I don't know if the Jaguars' defense can. Maybe, but they're not going to get a lot of help from their quarterback. And I don't believe in the Jaguars. I'm picking the Eagles to win this game. Carson Wentz is looking healthier and healthier every week. Is coming off of an ACL injury. Now, the wild card kind of factor in this game is Blake Bortles. But if Blake Bortles plays like he usually does, sorry, Jaguars, you're done. You're going to go three and five. You're going to lose to the Eagles. And uh, you're probably going to be out of the playoff race. And it's sad because this is what I predicted from the Jaguars. I said they're a great roster. And Blake Bortles is going to limit them and hold them back. And so far, they're three and four. And it's exactly played out like I said it would. I don't like that, but I'm picking the Jaguars to win on Sunday. Should be a great game. If you want to get up early in the morning, tune in to the Jaguars and the Eagles. Now, my second Snake Charmer game of the week is we go to Sunday Night Football in Minnesota. The Saints play the Vikings. 
going to be loud. It's going to be rowdy. This is going to be a fantastic game. Eagles could turn into a blowout. Saints-Vikings, I think it's going to go down to the wire. I'm incredibly, incredibly interested in this matchup. The Vikings are 4-2-1. The Saints are 5-1. They're both playoff teams. These are both teams that are at the top of their division and probably going to make the playoffs. Here's the interesting narrative in this game. If you go back to the NFL playoffs last year, the miracle in Minneapolis, the Saints got robbed. And so I think this is a revenge game for the New Orleans Saints. Now, the Vikings are a better team, though. I I believe the Saints are going to win. I give the edge to Drew Brees and that revenge factor. But, man, it's going to be a very close, competitive game down to the wire. And I cannot wait to watch the Saints and the Vikings on Sunday Night Football. Game starts at 5.30 my time, and uh, it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful matchup. I want to talk about that Dolphins-Texans game last night. So last night on Thursday Night Football, the Dolphins lost to the Texans, um, and it wasn't a great game. It was kind of a blowout. Uh, The Texans scored six touchdowns. And, uh, you know, I do this segment called Zach is a Genius, where I nail things, and sometimes I get things wrong. And uh, in some ways, I nailed it last night, and in other ways, I totally missed I want to start with the things I missed in last night's game between the Dolphins and the Texans. So when the Dolphins started off 3-0, I declared them a playoff team. And then week four happened. They got annihilated by the New England Patriots. Totally got whooped. Then Ryan Tannehill got hurt. Enter backup quarterback Brock Osweiler. And uh, I found myself rooting for Brock Osweiler. Because I know he's got this really tough stigma behind his name. And I feel bad for the guy. Like, I, I don't think he's as bad as people believe he is. I think he's a solid backup. He's not worth the $72 million the Texans once upon a time paid him. But Brock Osweiler is a capable backup quarterback, similar to, ironically enough, Case Keenum. You know, Case Keenum's the quarterback in, in Denver. And if they wanted a backup quarterback, they could have just hung on to Brock Osweiler. But they went the long way around. Now they're stuck with Case Keenum. Um, now... Despite rooting for Brock Osweiler, I want the guy to remove the stigma from his name. The truth is, Brock Osweiler could not keep up with Deshaun Watson and the Texans' offense last night. I mean, we saw field goals instead of touchdowns. You know, the Texans had six touchdowns. The Miami Dolphins kept kicking field goals over and over again. And, uh, and the truth is, they needed trick plays to move the ball. The Miami Dolphins kept running. They had that long touchdown. They stole the play from the Giants' playbook. Throw it to Danny Edelman, or to Danny Amendola. Getting two teams confused. Danny Amendola throws it back across the field to Kenyon Drake. Beautiful touchdown. The problem was the only way they moved the ball was on these weird little trick plays. They had that ball that bounced off of someone's helmet into uh, Devontae, what's his name? Into Devontae Parker's hands. And it's like, man, like I just, that's sad. Like they couldn't use conventional offense to move the ball. They, they had a couple opportunities, but. Um, and it's not entirely Brock Osweiler's fault. He threw an interception. I thought there should have been a holding call on the play. Danny Amendola got held and pulled, and he couldn't make a play at the ball. But regardless, um, <clears throat> Brock Osweiler's a backup, and he couldn't keep up with Deshaun Watson. Now, there are two more interesting narratives from last night's Thursday night football game. First one is this. Um, again, the Dolphins could not keep up with Deshaun Watson, He was 16 for 20, 239 yards, five touchdowns, zero interceptions. And Deshaun Watson finally settled in. 
He looked like he did at the end of last year before he got hurt. Um, you know, we saw this play on the goal line where he scrambled, he ran right, scrambled left, bought time, you know, kind of convulsed his body, tw- turned a weird way, threw the ball back to the right, scored a touchdown. It was awesome. And his leg looks really healthy. And this is where I'm, I was na- right. This is where I nailed it last night. When the Texans started 0-3, I made a video. I said, do not panic about Deshaun Watson. He's fine. Told you. I was right. Five touchdowns last night. No interceptions. He looks great. He looks fantastic. I love what the Texans are doing on offense. They've got great play design, getting guys fairly wide open downfield. Deshaun Watson will buy time, throw the ball. It's great. I told you guys. <laughs> Deshaun Watson's fine. Now the other, the number two narrative from last night was, in fact, Devontae Parker, the receiver for the Miami Dolphins. He had six catches, 134 yards. This is really the first time he's been on my radar. I've never really paid attention or cared about him before. Um, and it was really, really encouraging. Now, we had this crazy catch, bounce off a guy's helmet. Uh, that contributed significantly to his 134 yards. But there are two plays, um, two opportunities Devontae Parker had to grab my attention. On one of them, he delivered. And on another play, he did not. So he had a chance to get massive respect And Devontae Parker still gets some respect, but he did certainly lose out on one opportunity. So on third and one, Brock Osweiler threw a slant to Devontae Parker. It was behind him. He convulsed his body, caught the ball behind his back, made the play third and one, first down for the Dolphins. Devontae Parker came up clutch. That's that's the most memorable play he made last night, in my opinion. It's it's ingrained in my brain. Because you you can talk about that big catch over the top, yada, yada. I don't care about any of that. Are you clutch? Can you deliver on the big moments on third and one? Devontae Parker did. However, on third and four, he dropped a corner. He had a guy on his back, but the ball hit his hands. Third and four, late in the game, he dropped it, couldn't make the play. And so that's where, you know, I'm now putting Devontae Parker on my radar. But he did miss an opportunity last night. A big play on third and four, couldn't deliver, and uh, it's hard not to hold that against him. I won't. He did deliver on third and one, but you got to make both of those plays for me to go. Nice. That's a guy who really is a, a number one receiver for the Dolphins. Now he's coming off injuries, yada, yada. I don't know. But it is, it's worth noting, Devontae Parker is worth watching down the road. So last night, I got some things wrong. I said the Dolphins were a playoff team. I don't know that they are. You know, Ryan Tannehill got hurt. They can't beat the Patriots. It's not very encouraging. Um, and I was right about the Texans, though. I nailed that. The Texans were fine. They started 0-3. Said, don't panic. Deshaun Watson told you so. He's fine. So Deshaun Watson, pay attention to Devontae Parker. And we'll see. Are the Dolphins a playoff team? <clears throat> I don't know. It's not encouraging. Looking forward for the Dolphins. Uh, I, I, I don't know what to make of them. They're, uh, they're not very encouraging. I don't know they're going to be capable of making a playoff spot. I want to now shift your attention to basketball. Let's talk about the L.A. Lakers. <clears throat> Need some water first. You're my voice crack. I try to hide those. <clears throat> Sometimes, man, you got stuff going on in your throat. You do the best you can. It's funny. Most radio segments are 12 minutes. I go for like 30, 40 minutes at a time sometimes. Um, <clears throat> so the Lakers started 0-3. Again, I'll repeat that. The Lakers started 0-3. And everybody panicked. Everybody goes, oh, no, 
Kobe Bryant said, if the Lakers start 0-5, I'll come back. Everyone in L.A. was hysterical. Remember, it's an 82-game season. Starting 0-3 is basically irrelevant, especially when you have a great team like the Lakers do. Last night, the Lakers won. The Lakers beat the Nuggets 121-114. to And uh, LeBron had a triple-double. He had 28 points, 11 rebounds, 11 assists. He played fantastic. It was a great win, really fun to watch. Now, here's my angle on this game is Kobe Bryant was in attendance. And I'm incredibly torn when it comes to Kobe Bryant and the Lakers. Half of me says, dude, get out of Dodge. Go away. Stop looming over this franchise. You know, I remember I watched Kobe Bryant or I watched LeBron before the game win this community service award. And you saw Kobe Bryant's face and he's like, he's just scowling. He looks unhappy and awful. But this is where I'm torn because on one side, you know, Kobe, I think, divides the Lakers fan base. They had that mural torn down. It's because, you know, Lakers fans, Kobe Bryant fans that are not Laker fans necessarily don't like LeBron. I think Kobe's pretty jealous. Again, he divides the fan base. And there was that quote. He said, if the Lakers are 0-5, I'll consider coming back. Shut up. Go away, Kobe. You're, you're done. And, and I want to say that having Kobe around does not help the Lakers. My inclination is to say, that's bad. Get out of here. But then I watch what happens, and I go, hmm. Maybe the pressure that Kobe Bryant brings to the Lakers, maybe that helps LeBron James. I mean, it's worth noting LeBron did have a triple-double last night, and he loves having an audience. When celebrities are in attendance, he plays better. The bigger the stage, he tends to do a little bit better. He tends to care a little bit more. So I think that Kobe-LeBron James rivalry is real. There's a Kobe's jealous. LeBron says, this is my town. And there's a struggle for power and a struggle for supremacy in L.A. Is it a LeBron town or a Kobe town? And there is a real legitimate rivalry going on there. But I do think it helps the Lakers. I think that drives LeBron. LeBron looked incredibly motivated. He fought hard last night. Can't hurt that Kobe was in attendance. So while I don't like having Kobe around, I get, go away, dude. Get out of here. I do think it actually helps the Lakers. It puts a little pressure on LeBron. It keeps LeBron in check and keeps him motivated. Not that he needs it, but I do think that somewhat does drive LeBron to work his ass off and, and keep fighting. So I think Le- LeBron-Kobe rivalry is real, and I think it helps the Lakers. And so while I don't like having Kobe around, I would keep him around because I do think it's good in totality for the Lakers franchise. I want to shift back to football. I want to talk about a quarterback I have probably beat you guys to death with. You're probably tired of hearing about Blake Bortles, uh, and I understand, but I just find the guy incredibly fascinating. His narrative, the fact that the Jaguars keep committing to him, they won't move on, can't get over it. I, I just can't take my eyes away from this Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback. So I read an article on ESPN today. It said, Jaguars quarterback Blake Bortles says he's not afraid to make mistakes. It's an article by Michael DeRocco. And, uh, you know, Blake Bortles is quoted saying, you just got to play. You just got to go play. I don't think you can worry about it. And it being turnovers and mistakes. And Blake Bortles is right. You cannot live your life in fear of failure. You can't always be looking over your shoulder. You just got to live your life and do the best you can. 
I, I, I put on my story last night, my Instagram story last night. The thing I'm most proud of probably in the world is that I am unabashedly myself. I do what I want, um, and not in a disrespectful way, but I'm not afraid of pleasing others. I try to do my best to be myself and be authentic. And you can't live your life always wondering, is that the right decision? Is this? You do want to make conscious good decisions, but what you don't want to do is be afraid of failure all the time. You just simply can't live that way. However, it's worth noting, Blake Bortles is on a short leash. You know, he had two turnovers last week, got pulled from the game. He got benched. And I think Blake Bortles is an incredibly, he's in a tough spot. And I do feel for him because it's kind of a catch-22. You can't make mistakes or else you're out. But you also can't be constantly worried about mistakes because then you're going to tighten up and not play very well. But at the same time, well, it's on one hand, I do somewhat feel for Blake Bortles. Dude, you got to deliver. <laughs> you know, I can feel bad for him all I want. It doesn't matter. It doesn't change the fact he must play well. There's a big game coming up on Sunday between the Jaguars and the Eagles. It's in London. Starts early in the morning. The Jaguars need Blake Bortles to deliver. They cannot afford to start three and five. The Jaguars have to win and start four and four. If they don't start four and four, they're likely out of the playoff hunt. The Texans, the gap between the Texans and the Jaguars is going to continue to increase, and the Texans are going to leave the Jaguars in the dust. So I understand the pressure Blake Bortles is under, and I feel for the guy. I know you can't constantly live your life going, hmm, was that right? Like the past is over, and you can't live in fear. When I'm shooting for ESPN or I'm shooting for a, a company with a camera, I can't always be afraid of, I can't screw up. I got to get the right shot. You just got to do it. You can't be always thinking about it. But at the same time, you do have to do it. You have to deliver. And Blake Bortles, to this point, has not delivered. He has 10 turnovers, eight touchdowns, I think nine, because he's a rushing touchdown. But it's not good. And uh, I understand, again, the pressure Blake Bortles is under. But it's go time, man. You're on your last leg. I, I'm already done with Blake Bortles. And most Jaguars fans have given him a little bit left on that short leash. But it's a very short leash, a short fuse. If he doesn't deliver this weekend against the Eagles, he's in big trouble. And I really believe the Jaguars should trade for another quarterback. So, again, Blake Bortles is right. He says he's not afraid to make mistakes. Good. You shouldn't be. But also, <laughs> you better not make mistakes. <clears throat> Okay, we have actually, we're 23 minutes in, and uh, we've reached somewhat near the end of the show. I have two topics left I want to talk about. And if you don't care about football, if you don't care about the football games happening this weekend, feel free to tune me out. Feel free to turn it off. That's fine. Um, but we're going to do two segments left. We have pick six. It's where I pick six winners from the NFL games of week, see, I think we're in week eight this week. We are in NFL week eight. And after I do pick six, a segment where I pick the winners and losers from NFL games, I'm going to talk about eight college football games this weekend that interest me and have grabbed my attention. <clears throat> so without further ado, let's jump into pick six. So again, this is pick six. It's a segment where I pick the winners and losers every week in the NFL. I pick the games. How, how are the games going to turn out on Sunday? This time we're doing NFL week eight. So there are six games I want to talk about. I want to start with the Jaguars and the Eagles in London. I'm picking the Eagles to win. It's very simple. I don't believe in Blake Bortles. Eagles are a good team, have a solid defense, a good roster. They struggle running the ball. They have a, you know, the running back, Jay Ajayi, got hurt. But uh, Carson Wentz, who's coming off an ACL injury, the quarterback 
for the Eagles looked healthier and healthier and actually better and better every single week. And I do not believe that the Jaguars defense can carry the Jaguars. I'm picking the Eagles to beat the Jaguars in London. How about the Broncos and the Chiefs in Kansas City? I think this is a game similar to the Dolphins and Texans last night. Case Keenum's a backup quarterback. I don't think he can keep up with an elite quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. I'm picking the Chiefs to win. I do think the Broncos have a chance, right? It was close last time the Chiefs played the Broncos. I think the Broncos' pass rush is something to watch. Can they keep Patrick Mahomes in the pocket, not allow him to escape and run and throw the ball downfield? But Kansas City's incredibly loud and picking the Chiefs to win. They're a better team. They should win this game. However, the key to this game is, can the Broncos' pass rush keep Patrick Mahomes in the pocket and not allow him to make plays downfield? The third game I want to talk about is the Bears and the Jets in Chicago. This one's a toss-up. I mean, you got two great defenses, two young quarterbacks, and, and the truth is it's coming down to which quarterback do you trust more. So I'm, I'm picking the Jets. I trust Sam Darnold more than I trust Mitch Trubisky. Now, Trubisky's kind of a wild card in this game. And again, a blowout. If, the, if Trubisky has seven touchdowns or six touchdowns, five touchdowns, he has a great game. The Bears could win with a blowout. If one team is like more likely to blow, it, blow the other team out, the Bears are more likely to blow out the Jets. However, if it's a close game, I like Sam Darnold's moxie. And in a close game, I give the edge to the Jets. Therefore, I'm picking the Jets to win on Sunday in Chicago over the Bears. The fourth game I want to talk about is the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers and the Browns in Pittsburgh. Uh, right now, the Steelers lead the division. <clears throat> and the Browns, while they're 2-4-1, they're much better than their record would suggest. Last time these two teams played, they tied. But regardless, I'm picking the Pittsburgh Steelers to win the game. I think they're a little better at home. And they're upset about last time tying the Browns. The opinion around the league, mostly for the Browns, is still... They're trash. They suck. I think they're better than the record, but I think the Steelers have something to prove on Sunday. I think the Browns have a chance. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be a great game to watch, but regardless, I'm picking the Steelers to beat the Browns on Sunday. Now, the Ravens and the Panthers in Carolina, this is going to be an ugly battle between two playoff teams, in my opinion. I'm going to pick the Panthers to win because I like Cam Newton. He's playing his best year he's ever had. Got a great uh, completion percentage. Playing really clean football. I love what he's doing. Um, and uh, I, I don't know. The Panthers are 3-0 at home. I like Cam Newton more than I like Joe Flacco. Game's in Charlotte. Panthers 3-0 at home. I'm picking the Panthers to win. My final game, my sixth game of pick six is this. Let's go to Sunday night football. The Saints and the Vikings in Minnesota. It's indoors, which helps the Saints, I think. Um, but man, I'm picking the Saints because they have a better quarterback and because they got robbed last year in the playoffs in Minnesota. This is a revenge game for the New Orleans Saints. However, this is not a cakewalk for the Saints remotely. The Vikings are even better than they were last year. Kirk Cousins is playing fantastic football. He's playing lights out. I think it's going to go down to the wire, but I'm picking the Saints in the end because I like their quarterback more. And I think the revenge emotion side of this game, that storyline is going to motivate the Saints. I think the Saints win a close game in Minnesota. That's been pick six, guys. Those are the six games I'm picking. Again, I'm picking the Eagles to beat the Jaguars, the Chiefs to beat the Broncos, the Jets to beat the Bears, 
the Steelers to beat the Browns. The Panthers are going to beat the Ravens in North Carolina. And on Sunday Night Football, I'm picking the Saints to beat the Vikings. Okay. Um, look, there are eight games in college football this week. I can't take my eyes off. I'm, I'm incredibly fascinated with. I'm going to be paying close attention. And I just want to talk about them, kind of share my thoughts, uh, tell you what these eight games are and why you should care, why you should pay attention. So the first game actually is kind of a, a game I wouldn't normally care about. It's number 23, Utah, playing at UCLA. And uh, here's the thing. Utah leads the Pac-12 South. The reason why this game is interesting is they're, they're ranked. Utah is 23 in the nation. And UCLA is awful. They're like 2 and 5. But UCLA is learning how to win. They're figuring things out. I think it's a potential upset for Utah. Utah could lose to UCLA on, on Saturday tomorrow. And uh, I, I just think it's a fascinating, compelling game because could UCLA with Chip Kelly have a surprise win over Utah? I think it's actually possible. This is kind of a trap for Utah. I'm very intrigued. It's very possible Utah loses on Saturday. How about Clemson and Florida State in Tallahassee, Florida? This is a great matchup. Um, here's why. I, I don't know that... See, Clemson's 7-0. They're far and away the favorite in this game. But Florida State has great athletes. It's in Tallahassee. Oh, it's going to be really, really intense. And, uh, you know, I, I think Clemson is a young quarterback. It's very possible Clemson could get upset. This is one of the... There's like two games this year, every year, where Clemson has... They slip up. They lost to Syracuse last year. This could be the game where Clemson slips up and loses to Florida State. Keep your eye on this game. Young quarterback, intense atmosphere at Florida. Maybe Florida State pulls out the upset and beats Clemson. How about number... Let's go from one Florida team to the other. Number nine, Florida, versus number seven, Georgia, in Jacksonville. Uh, look, both teams are six and one. Whoever loses this game, season is over. So, I don't know. I think this is a really interesting test for the Georgia quarterback, Jake Frum. He's a sophomore, true sophomore, and uh, I, I'm looking for Jake Frum to step up and win a big game. He lost to LSU earlier in the year, and uh, this is a big test for Jake Frum. You got to beat Florida in Jacksonville. I'm excited. I'm curious, and we will see what happens. I want to talk about now number 20, Wisconsin, going to Northwestern. I think this is kind of a trap game, another game that could be a potential upset. I don't know. Uh, the problem is Wisconsin struggles to throw the ball. You might not like that, but that's the honest truth. And uh, I think they just got embarrassed by Michigan. It's two weeks ago they got embarrassed by Michigan. I, I don't know. I think this is a game just to pay. I'm not going to get too in-depth, but I think you should pay attention to Northwestern at Wisconsin. Is there a chance Northwestern upsets Wisconsin? Does not being able to throw the ball, will that hurt and limit Wisconsin? We shall find out. Now, a game I would not normally care about at all. There's only one reason why I care about number 12, Kentucky at Missouri. A lot of people believe that Drew Locke, Missouri's quarterback, is the number one quarterback in the nation. They think he's the best quarterback in next year's NFL draft. Excuse me. And um, I don't know. See, if Justin Herbert, the Oregon quarterback, doesn't come out, Tua Tungavaloa can't come out. He's a sophomore. Maybe Drew Locke is the best quarterback in the nation. We shall find out. This is a big game because you're not playing Alabama. You're not playing LSU. You're not severely outmatched. You know, when, when Missouri played Georgia earlier this year, they were just outmatched. Kentucky does not have much better athletes than Missouri. This is a game where I want to see Drew Locke step up 
make plays, be competitive. This game had better be competitive by Drew Locke. He better step up. He should win. I don't know. I'm, I'm tired of hearing Drew Locke's team around him isn't very good. Can we see Drew Locke step up and dominate a game for once? That's what I want to see from Drew Locke on Saturday against Kentucky. Three games left I'm interested in. Two that are just fantastic. Uh, these are the two biggest games in college football, in my opinion. I know that you know Florida-Georgia, it's a huge game a lot of people care about. It's going to be boring. I think a defensive battle. But number eight, and number 18, Iowa at Penn State, number 17. Uh, that's going to be a great game. I, I love Iowa's coach, Kirk Ferentz. And um, I, I just think this is going to be an intense atmosphere, incredibly loud in Penn State. And I wouldn't sleep on Iowa. I think they're better than people realize. So I, I'm really, really curious to see what happens between Iowa and Penn State on Saturday. How about Washington State University, number 14, Washington State, at number 24, Stanford? I go to Washington State, full disclosure. Um, I think Washington State has a chance to win the Pac-12 championship this year. But to do it, they have to win two more games. They have to beat Stanford's a big win they got to make, and they got to beat Washington in the Apple Cup at the end of the year. So I think it's a must-win game for both programs. Both, both Stanford and Washington State are still in the hunt to have a chance to win the Pac-12 North and then go to the Pac-12 Championship game. This is a big one for supremacy in the Pac-12 North. Stanford's got to win. Washington State's got to win. It's in Stanford. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I, of course, I hope Washington State wins. I'll be watching that game with my family. Uh, but we shall find out. It's going to be a great game, and uh, I don't know what's going to happen. Now, my last game I'm really curious about is another potential upset. Number 22, NC State plays at Syracuse. Again, upset alert. I, I like Ryan Finley, the quarterback at NC State. But Syracuse has a really good, not an NFL quarterback, but Eric Dungy, the quarterback at Syracuse, is a fantastic college quarterback. He's a guy I grew up with. He lives in Lake Oswego. He's from Lake Oswego. I grew up in Portland. They're literally next to each other. You know, the college I played at for a year is in Lake Oswego. And, uh, man, Eric Dungy's no slouch. Syracuse upset Clemson last year. I would not be shocked if NC State lost this week to Syracuse. So, again, a couple upsets you should pay attention to, potential upsets. Could Florida State upset Clemson? Could Missouri? Missouri should beat Kentucky. Could Northwestern beat number 20 Wisconsin? And could NC State lose to unranked Syracuse? We shall find out. Guys, those are the eight games I'm really curious to watch in college football this year. My name is Zach Schaumler. I just want to say thank you so much. Um, I'm tired. I'm in a hurry. I got to get out of town in a couple minutes. But, uh, man, um, I just I wanted to get this out. I wanted to share my thoughts. The Jimmy Butler thing is the thing I cared about most. That's why I put that at the front of the show. And uh, as always, I, I really appreciate you guys listening. Remember, share this podcast with your friends. Subscribe, whatever. Help me grow by telling your friends about this show. Uh, and without further ado, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so much. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Enjoy all the wonderful football games this week. Uh, personally, my nose is kind of peeling. It's really dry in Washington where I live. And uh, literally, my nose is just peeling off. Like All the skin on my nose is peeling off. Not fun. So again, thank you so much. Hope you guys have a great weekend. My name is Zach Schaumler. But I'm bum. Bam, we are done. Bye.